Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. That was the overriding feeling and sensation I had when I started serving as a missionary overseas in Thailand, in Asia. Just the sense of, I am not worthy. I have no business being somebody out here to be a, a witness, an evangelist of the gospel. How did I end up here? Why did I come out here? Because I remember this particular moment. I was at a, a Bible study, and here in this Bible study, I'm surrounded by all these Thai people who are mostly Buddhists, and I had forgotten to prepare for the study. <laughs> so here, I'm sitting at this Bible study, and I am unprepared, and, I'm, and I had been feeling so lonely, and like I just don't have what it takes to do this. And now I have all of these eyes of folks looking at me, what's he going to say? Is there some word of God that I could share for them? I remember just thinking, I am so unworthy. Maybe you've been there too. Probably not in a Thai Bible study surrounded by a bunch of Buddhists, but maybe you've had those moments where you have that sensation like, I'm not worthy. Who am I to be a witness to the gospel? Who am I even to, to claim to be a Christian? I know my own heart. I know the ways in which I'm a hypocrite, where I don't live up to the standards that God calls us to. Who am I? I'm not worthy. But here's the secret of this Sunday that we heard in today's readings. God is ever and always calling and choosing precisely the unworthy to be his own and then sending them out to be his witnesses. He's in the business of finding those ugly ducklings and turning them into the beautiful swans through which he's going to make known his name to the world. That's how God operates. And in these readings today, we see this kind of pattern of mission, this cycle of sending. It moves from fear to forgiveness to sending forth, or indeed to being fishermen, fishers of men. This is the way that God operates, making of unworthy people his worthy vessels to bear his name to the world, to bring his good news to our neighbors. But it does start with fear. We see it with Isaiah in that great Old Testament reading we heard where Isaiah gets this vision of the Lord high and lifted up. And there are the, the seraphim, the six-winged seraphim, and they're singing out one to another their great song to Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The same song that we sing week by week. And when Isaiah gets this vision of the Lord high and lifted up, he sees him in all of his glory and all of his grandeur. Suddenly he thinks, oh no. <laughs> Because Isaiah knows that he needs his mouth washed out with soap, right? He's a man of unclean lips, among a people of unclean lips. And he knows his scriptures. He knows that nobody can see God and live. And yet here he has been given this vision of the holy, of the most high. Woe is me, he says. It starts in that place of fear. We see it for Peter as well. For Simon Peter, as he was known. Simon Peter is encountering Jesus, perhaps in this respect, for the first time up close. And he calls to him, notice this, he calls to him at first as master, captain. It's a respectful term, but it's not a divine term by any stretch of the imagination. 
It's Jesus says to him, hey, uh, Peter, go ahead and put down your nets for a catch. And Peter's thinking to himself, Jesus, you're a pretty good teacher. Not sure what a, how good of a fisherman you are, all right? We've been out here all night. We have caught nothing. But he wants to be respectful, right? And so he says, okay, sure. Just for the sake of argument, we'll put down the nets again. And the next thing you know, the nets are filled to overflowing. He's got to call James and John to come over. And now their boats are sinking. And in that moment, Simon Peter realizes this isn't just another captain. This isn't just some other guy, that Jesus is himself the Lord. This is the first time that anybody refers to him as Lord. Lord, depart from me, Peter says. I am an, a sinful man. Peter recognizes, as Isaiah did before, that he cannot be in the presence of the holy God and still live. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Peter, too, is filled with fear. And you and I start from that place as well, that place of fear. First and foremost, because we know that we have no business coming into the presence of a holy God as we are in ourselves. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says that every single one of us will stand before God naked and exposed before the one whom, to whom we need to give an account naked and exposed before the one to whom we need to give an account. When I hear that, I can't help but think of the immortal words of Ricky Ricardo. You've got some splaining to do. <laughs> when we come before God, we know we've got some splaining to do. How can that not strike our hearts with fear? And then to go even further, to think that we would be his witnesses, that we would be his ambassadors, that we'd be the ones going out into the world testifying about this God and his good news? Who are we? How can that not strike fear into our hearts? Because, look, people are going to look at us and say, well, what hypocrites? It's like when, you know, like when celebrities are, start lecturing to all of us about morality, right? You feel like that. You think, oh, no, wait a second. I'm not the one who should be going out telling people about Jesus. There's better people for that. That's why we have pastors, right? We pay him to go out and do that. I'm not somebody who should be testifying to this good news. I can't be a witness to the gospel. That, too, strikes fear into our hearts. But know this. That's simply the starting point for this cycle of sending. It's where God wants us to begin. But he doesn't leave us there. See, the next step from fear is to forgiveness. So there's Isaiah with his unclean lips thinking he needs his mouth washed out with soap and more, but he gets not soap. Instead, an angel comes from the altar of God with a coal, and he gives to him a more powerful lip balm than he could have ever imagined, right? It is the balm of Gilead. It is the forgiveness of God Almighty who says, now, Isaiah, fear not. For your sin has been atoned for. Your guilt has been taken away. Now you are able to stand in the presence of the holy God. Now you yourself have been made holy before him. And so also for Peter. When Peter comes before the Lord, whom he now recognizes as God in the flesh, he sees and he recognizes that here am I, all sinful and unclean. I can't come before you, Lord. And in himself, of course, he's right. 
But Jesus speaks to Simon Peter. Peter, even though you might be more filled with sin than your boat is filled with fish, fear not. You need not drown in your guilt any longer because Jesus has lifted him up. And so he lifts you and me up. He lifts us up each week when we gather together and we, we come through these doors feeling sinful and unclean, unworthy to stand before God Almighty. But what does he do? What's the first word that he speaks to us through this unworthy vessel? In the stead and by the command, I forgive you all your sins. That's not just some rote thing that we run through. That's not just a, a little bit of formality that we have to do. It is the living word of the Lord to you. Your sins are forgiven you. Fear not. We come with fear and trembling. And God says, take heart. And then what do we do? We come before this table as out of place as a, as a homeless person at a five-star restaurant, right? We come before this table and think, oh my goodness, I've got no business being here, Lord. If you knew me, if you knew my heart. But as an old hymn puts it, all the fitness he requires is that you feel your need for him. And so you come to this table and he touches your lips, not with the coal, but with the body and blood of his son taken from the altar so that you would have no doubt that you have been claimed by the Lord, forgiven by him. But not only that. See, I think there's a temptation for us to stop there and to say, "Woo, forgiven. All right. Now I can go back to sitting, right? <laughs> just to, to dwell, just to ruminate on that forgiveness and say, man, it is so good to be loved by God, to be forgiven, but uh, I'm just going to hang out here in this forgiveness waiting room. I don't really have anywhere else to go. But God says, no, I've got more work for you yet. See, you are forgiven so that now you might be sent forth. This cycle of sending continues. He doesn't want us to stop on third base. Instead, God has given us that windmill sign. Keep going. Keep going. Because now he is sending us forth into the world. And so it is for Isaiah. That Isaiah starts with that place of fear. And then he receives that word of forgiveness. And then God says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And now fearful Isaiah has turned into that overeager kid in the back of class saying, ooh, ooh, call on me. Call on me. Right? Here am I, send me. Because with a heart that has been forgiven, now Isaiah has that boldness to go forth, not in his own strength or wisdom, but in the strength and the wisdom of God, the God who has cleansed him of his sins and who now goes before him into the world. And Simon Peter also, though he had been fearful, was now forgiven and the Lord is not done with him yet, not by a mile. It says, Peter, you were fishing before, I want you to keep on fishing now. But now, you're going to be fishing for people. Now, I'm sending you forth into the world to go and to hook others for the kingdom. Not with your own abilities, but with God's ability. Not with the power of your word, but with the power of his word. And in that respect, in that gospel reading, we see a double miracle, even a triple miracle. 
Because you've got the, the miracle of all of the, the fish in the boat, which is incredible. But even more powerful than that is the miracle that God is making of this unworthy person now, a worthy vessel to bear his word to the world. And then even this triple miracle that he is going to use precisely Simon Peter, someone frail like him, to be his witness. Even, especially, when he feels unworthy. And so I remember sitting there in that Bible study in Asia, in Thailand, sitting there and feeling unprepared, and what am I going to do? What could I possibly say to these Buddhists who are now looking at me to be the representative of the king of all creation? I'm sure I can do this, right? Well, it turned out that our Bible study was in 2 Corinthians. And so I picked up the text that was given us for the day to discuss from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I read this, I kid you not. We don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. I looked at that, I said, wait a second. It talks about Asia in the Bible? I, I never remembered that or noticed that before. And I went on. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Yes, indeed, that's me. <laughs> indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Maybe not quite, but in my more melodramatic moments. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. I read that passage, and in that moment, I realized, oh, duh, it doesn't depend on me, on my abilities, even on my preparedness, but on God who raises the dead. He's got this. And so it is for each and every one of us. He's got this. This cycle of sending, it's not just once, but it's over and over again. Day by day, we find ourselves in that place of fear. And day by day, the Lord speaks to you and me anew that word of forgiveness. And then what does he do? He sends us forth in his blessing to go out into the world as jars of clay, as earthen vessels, as cracked pots who bear forth this treasure of the gospel. And the summons to us is just like the summons it was to Peter. Let down your nets. That's all. Let down your nets. Speak this word of good news when it's appropriate. Seek to live lives of service to your neighbor. And then let the good shepherd, who's also the good fisherman, let him do the work. And be assured, he always does. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.